The last time Carolina played Pitt, it was a seemingly devastating home loss back in mid-February. You remember it. But it turned out to be the runway that led all the way to the national championship game. But still, Carolina's out for some revenge. They gonna get it? You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Friday, December 30th, 2022. Welcome into the Tar Heels Podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining us as we get into New Year's weekend and making Locked On Tar Heels your first listen or watch of the day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online, who has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, uh, to, on today's show, we're going to, as we do now every Friday, give you the heels of the week, both the yay and the boo, the heel of the week and the heel of the week. Uh, the Lady Heels were in action on Thursday night against Florida State to open ACC play. I'm going to give you what I'm watching for in the pit game, and I want to hear what you're watching for. But first, let me start by telling you a little bit about this year's Pitt Panthers, because it's a wholly different team than you saw last year. And then we'll get into the Carolina side of it. As of this recording, the Panthers are 69th at Ken Palm, um, and so not don't don't see this as the kind of miserable team that you've expected Pitt to be the past couple of years. In fact, um, to the flip of that, because this is a, is a road game um, and they are in the top seventy five um, in the in the NCAA net, that means that this is actually a quad one opportunity for North Carolina. So a massive road game it turns out to kick off the main chunk of ACC play. Um, and so this is a, a big road opportunity against a solid, um, albeit unknown, pit team. They're 9-4 and four overall right now. They're 2-0 and oh in the ACC, but uh, you know, it's one of those things where I would uh, chalk it up to a little bit of fool's gold at this point. Um, their, their losses are to West Virginia, who, you know, is, is solid this year in the Big 12. Um, Michigan, who you know, just lost to Central Michigan on Thursday night, VCU, and they lost at Vandy. And so, yikes. Um, but their best wins are all true road wins. They won at Northwestern, and then their two ACC games to start the, the conference portion of the season are both true road games. So at NC State and at Syracuse, two other kind of middling ACC teams. So those are big wins for Pitt um, to work at staying in the top half of the ACC, but Carolina is obviously uh, looking to bump their conference record from one and one to two and one. As for Pitt, neither their offense or their defense really stand out. Um, both are outside of the top 50 at Ken Palm in efficiency, but the O is better than the defense. The, the offense is ranked in the 50s in offensive efficiency, while the defense is closer to 100. Um, in, in terms of a couple strengths and weaknesses for the team overall, th their best attribute as, as a team is their offensive rebounding. And so um, Carolina is going to have to go and take care of the, the defensive glass, right? Don't let 
pit slide in there and get stuff. You'll, you'll hear me talk about it more in a little bit, but they are a little bit undersized in some of the matchups. And so uh, might be able to try to scurry around Armando Baycott and, and Pete Nance to get a couple of those. Um, another strength is their three-point field goal percentage. They're, they're shooting well. And so Carolina, uh, as we know, has not been always great at defending the three. And so they're going to have to get out and do some work at the perimeter. As for weaknesses, it's turnovers. And that's on both sides of things, both in terms of forcing turnovers and giving up turnovers when they have the ball. Um, they, their, their turnover percentage in both of those metrics is not good. And so um, we'll, we'll see if um, Carolina can be disruptive defensively. You know, I, I look for Seth Trimble to maybe come up with a couple steals, maybe leaky. Um, and then y- you want to see a game where um, – Maybe Carolina can get back down into the single digits themselves in terms of turnovers, handling the ball well. Um, now, as for personnel for Pitt, I want to share a couple things with you there. Probably the the player you remember from last year is John Hughley, um, who is another kind of undersized big that um, gave Carolina some trouble inside. He is expected to miss this game. Uh, it's a little bit of a mystery. He's missed Pitt's last two games, had already been working back from an injury, so hadn't been playing a ton of minutes, um, but just some undisclosed personal reasons. Sounds like maybe some mental health things. And so the the team is giving him some space to kind of kind of work on himself, as it were. And so uh, the expectation, as of everything I've read from the Pittsburgh side of things, is that he will not play on Friday. But obviously, we'll have to keep our eyes on that. Pitt's leading scorer this season is Blake Henson, who is a forward, um, a bit undersized as a four. He's six seven, And um, so it, the thing is, though, in terms of Pitt's actual center, um, he's 6'11", yes, but is sl- more slender than is Henson. And so I kind of wonder if, because of that, Baycott will guard Henson and uh, Pete Nance would be guarding Federico Federico. And yes, that is his name. I promise you, they're, uh, they're center. And so Henson averaging 17.2 points a game and 7.4 rebounds. And so he might be undersized, but he's holding his own in, in rebounds. And so you expect to see him do some good work there. Um, but again, I think Baycott will be on him, and you would expect um, that that size advantage for Armando if he is in fact guarding him to to cause some problems. Uh, you don't think of Armando necessarily as somebody with length in the same way you would Leaky Black, but uh, with a four inch height advantage, uh, you think he could do work there. Either way, if it is Pete Nance on Henson, same size, uh, just not as much bulk or girth. Um, as for um, kind of the backcourt situation, Nellie Cummings is the leading assister for the Panthers, dishing out 4.8 assists per game. So that's a nice mark for him. So uh, we'll keep tabs on that. But he um, he matches up nicely with RJ Davis, very similar size guys, right? Like just at six foot, six foot one. Um, and then another place Carolina will have a big size advantage is um, at the three spot with a leaky black having a big height advantage of over Jamarius Burton. Um, Burton is 6'4", while Leakey is is 6'9", as you know. And so, once again, it's an opportunity for Leakey's length um, and height to guard or uh, to bother an opposing wing. Um, and so, just, just keep your eyes on that. Um, and so, 
I, I talked about this being essentially a wholly different team of the eight pit players that played against North Carolina last year. Only three of them are still on the roster and Burton is the only one that's expected to play. Obviously I already said Hughley will be out and then will Jeffress as well. Sounds like um, uh, maybe a similar kind of thing to Hughley is, is kind of taking um, some time for some mental health healing. And so uh, literally uh, Jamarius Burton is the only player that played against Carolina last year. That was frankly, yeah, that was in that game. That's even um, going to appear in this one probably. And so uh, it's just hard to know some of what to expect as Pitt is without some of their best players who includes uh, freshman Dior Johnson. And I just want to take a second here because um, of note, Johnson uh, was arrested back in early October on several felony charges, mostly stemming from an assault on a young lady who got his cell phone wet or something like that. Um, and so uh, Johnson has just been reinstated to the program. Um, Capel, Coach Capel and the AD met and decided to reinstate him. He won't play in this game. He's going to be redshirting this season. Um, but even, even when things got pled down on December 9th, he pled guilty to two misdemeanors, strangulation, and simple assault. Um, and again, that's pled down from multiple felony charges that were more um, serious. And so uh, I just want to bring this up to say this young man, I, I'm all for working with people and, and getting them opportunities to um, make amends for their mistakes in life. But that doesn't mean that there aren't consequences that come with those. And so frankly, this young man should not be on this basketball team. That's just, you know, we talked about it with Chris Beard a couple of weeks ago. That's the kind of thing that we cannot and should not stand for. Now, again, we need to get him the help that he needs. He needs um, whatever sort of counseling. Um, and again, you, you want to work with him and, and help him work through his problems but that doesn't mean you get to be part of a basketball team. That is a privilege. Um, and Dior Johnson is not fit to be on, uh, on a division one college basketball team right now. I think this is a misstep by Pitt. And I just want to take this moment to say that very thing. Well, friends, that is what you need to know about the Pittsburgh Panthers right now. What about the Carolina side of things? I want to give you my four things that I'm going to be watching for so that you can follow along with me in this game. But first, this episode is brought to you by the NHTSA. You're hanging out with some friends, putting back a few drinks. It's the New Year's Eve weekend. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of Colin for a ride, but nah, you live close and you're going to make it home okay. It's no big deal. Besides, what are the odds you're going to get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, or worst of all, you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while they are under the influence. So that's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to help save lives. So if you think it's okay to drive after a few drinks, please think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. For your second listen today, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes to get insights from the local experts that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on YouTube, Odyssey, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. 
So as I said, I want to give you the four things that I'm watching out for in this game. There's obviously more, but these are kind of the four umbrella things. I'd love to know what you're watching for as Carolina comes back from their Christmas break. And that is the first thing that I'm watching out for is uh, Carolina has been back um, since the 26th. So since Monday, they, um, after the mission game, were free to scatter as they so pleased. They could leave with their families from that game in Charlotte. They could fly out from there or whatever it may be. Um, and then we're expected to be back on Monday. And so I, I'm curious to see in those couple days of practice since then is, are there new any wrinkles um, following the layoff? Um, what what do bench minutes look like? What do um, those, those rotations? Um, have you worked in anything new with with the three guard lineup, for example? I, I'm watching out to see those things. How does Coach Davis continue to utilize his depth um, as part of that? Are, are there any defensive wrinkles? We we've talked at at great length about the the consistency issues on defense this year that that the offense is humming right along it's a top 10 offense in the nation right now but that that defense is sitting just outside the top 50 at Ken Palm and you'd love uh, to see that get within that top 50 and continue to move up in the rankings this season and so uh, is you know Carolina's been doing some different things defensively uh, pressuring pressing a little bit more uh, some more traps and so I'm really looking to see can, how do they work to be a little bit more cohesive as a unit. Um, some other things within that, any, any new wrinkles coming off the layoff is it seems like there's been some great momentum with Seth Trimble, like running the show at times. Is he going to get more minutes and opportunities to show what he can do in that regard? Uh, this is also just in general been a great time to heal. Perhaps this is one of the first times all season we see Carolina at essentially full strength. I know Will Shaver is out right now. Um, but, um, from, from video we saw from the Carolina social media, uh, this week, we saw DeMarco Dunn back out at practice, like in, in what looked like five on five scrimmage. And so, um, you, you finally now have him in and going, you have Jalen Washington in and going. And so all of that affects that bench conversation I was just talking about as well. So keep your eyes on that. Who all is getting minutes? What do those minutes look like? What is the depth? How many guys play? in this game. Number two thing that I'm watching out for is Armando Baycott to have an absolute field day for a couple reasons. He is averaging 27 points over the past two games, scored 26 and 28 against those two most recent Big Ten opponents in Ohio State and Michigan. Um, and when you look at, at what Pitt's allowing, 52.5% of their points allowed are on two-pointers. I've already talked about how they are potentially vulnerable down in the post. Carolina's been working hard, the guards have been, to get him the ball, find those right angles for post entries, and, and get the ball to Armando in position to, to get some easy buckets, not to mention um, his ability to offensive rebound and get putbacks and things like that. So um, watch Armando Baycott. I'm expecting another field day from him to keep building on this, and I, I really legitimately wouldn't be surprised if he had another 25-plus point day against Pittsburgh today. Number three thing I'm watching for, we kind of alluded to this with the bench depth, but is Jalen Washington's progression. Um, I think he is a key and integral piece for North Carolina this season. Beyond um, Armando Baycott and Pete Nance, you just don't really have true front court depth right now. Will Shaver, as we've talked about, is injured, but even so is just 
not there yet to be ready to give legitimate backup minutes for this team. But Jalen Washington um, is and can be. And so uh, he's played four games at this point, Georgia Tech, Citadel, and then Ohio State and Michigan. Played like two and a half against Georgia Tech, six and a half his career high against the Citadel, and then like a minute 15 and less in those most recent two games. And so I'm, I'm watching to see um, with even a little more time off, is, is he uh, getting even more back in game shape and ready to go? Can the team uh, and the coaching staff trust him even more? And so just, just keep your eyes on Jalen Washington's both minutes and, um, and the things he does in those minutes. Is he able to be productive um, and not just with scoring, but um, rebounding and, and other things like that. So, so keep an eye on that. The fourth thing I'm watching out for in this game is that right now the Tar Heels are 0-1 on the road in ACC play. I'm watching to see, can this team be a team of road warriors? There is kind of just a jumble of an ACC right now, as you well know. And so a big part of this is not uh, like winning the conference regular season title isn't necessarily about always how you perform against Virginia or Duke, the other teams right there at the top. It's about how do you perform against the teams you're supposed to beat? Those are the teams that win regular season titles are teams that, you know, split with the other top teams in the league, uh, maybe both winning at home, but then they win the games they need to win both at home and on the road against lesser competition. Now that game that Carolina lost on the road already was at Virginia tech, who I expect to be in the top five in the ACC this year. So that's not bad, but from this point, you really need to look at, Hey, we've got nine more road games. Could we take eight of them? You know, maybe go eight and one on the road, maybe seven and two. You looking at that, you feel really good about where Carolina would be. So I'm wanting to see if this team can be road warriors this season. And, and we've seen, you know, as part of that, other top contenders in the league struggle. Virginia lost at Miami last week. Duke lost at Wake Forest. Um, Miami's a solid team. I, I also expect them to be top five. In fact, I think they'll be top four in the ACC. And Wake Forest is not bad, but they're not going to be one of those top four elite ACC teams. And so um, if you can win these road games, you have a real good shot, real good shot at winning the regular season ACC championship. So keep your eyes out for that. Next, I want to look at our heels of the week. This is a new segment we've been doing for a couple of weeks where we look at a heel of the week and a heel of the week, <laughs> both a positive and the negative. If you haven't sent in uh, suggestions for that or nominations, please do so to LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com or you can DM the show. If you're watching on YouTube, you can leave some in the comments, whatever it is may be. would love to hear that. And then also we'll look at the Tar Heel ladies losing to FSU on Thursday night. So let's actually start there. Uh, Carolina kicked off ACC play on Thursday night last night in Carmichael hosting the Seminoles. Um, should be a game you, you hope to be able to win. The Seminoles are unranked. Carolina's 13th. Um, and, and the Heels kind of hold a slim lead for most of the first half, but, but the Florida State comes out and takes not control of the second half, but, but definitely grabs a lead and, and is leading most of the second half and goes on to win 78 to 71. So that puts the Tar Heels now on a two game losing streak. Same thing for them. It's been a while since they've played. They lost to Michigan in the Jumpman Invitational. And so now they're on this two game streak and it, things do not get any easier because now 
They have to go to Virginia Tech on Sunday, and the Hokies are number seven in the nation in women's basketball. And so um, you're you're staring at what could very uh, likely be a three-game losing streak for the Lady Tar Heels. But it's also a massive opportunity to go out and get a win. And so uh, you believe in Coach Banghart's team and their experience and, and depth, and so you want to see that come into fruition. All right, let's talk about our heels of the week. Let's start with the good, the heel of the week. And that is none other than Mr. Cedric Gray. This guy has been the absolute model of consistency with a, a wild and disoriented defense around him this year. Um, and I say that because uh, there's just been so many injuries, both in the secondary and in uh, on the defensive line in front of him. Um, in this in the bowl game, there were opt-outs and transfers and all sorts of stuff. And so um, with with all of that swirling around, he and Power Eccles have been right there, game in, game out, both eclipsing triple-digit tackles on the season. But um, I, I point out Cedric Gray specifically because it's just been such a neat progression to watch. If, if you didn't um, hear our interview with him or see our interview with him last week, I'd really encourage you to go back and check it out. Just really neat um, to hear from him and to hear about his quick ascension and what that's been like and, and looked like. So just neat to hear from him. But he's for this defense, he has just been everywhere and he's done everything and anything that Coach Chiswick or Coach Brown could have needed from said Gray, he has done that. And we know he's coming back next season. And so you just expect um, that to be a great thing for Gene Chiswick's defense to continue to grow and um, become more cohesive with um, bringing back a lot of young talent around Cedric Gray and Power Eccles. And to see those guys have another year together, uh, you could legitimately see back-to-back 100 um, tackle years from both of those guys. But in some ways you kind of hope not because it means that more people are making more tackles around them. And, and when we look at Gray, it's not just that he's been consistent. It's not just that he's been the absolute heart and soul of this defense that's frankly been maligned all season. It's also the actual numbers. When, when you dig into the NCAA website and, and their stats from the FBS this season, Gray is one of just six defenders in all of FBS averaging 5.9 or more solo tackles a game. Just 5.9. In terms of total solo tackles, he's got 82. He's second in the nation in that metric and tops among all power five tacklers or defenders, right? Just impressive, impressive stuff. And then in terms of total tackles, so um, assists and solo tackles combined, he is one of just 10 defenders in all of FBS to average 10.4 or more total tackles per game. He finishes the season with 145 total tackles, which is third in the nation. And once again, number one amongst all power five defenders unreal and so to have somebody that you know a lot of times you have a, a player that is a heart and soul but it's just like oh but you're you're not you know you're not doing it statistically but it's like with Cedric Gray he is leading both um by verbal example by um example of his play by example of his leadership and that's just the kind of man that you want to shout out as a Tar Heel and Again, let me encourage you to go listen to his interview that we did with him about a week ago. Great stuff. 
and uh, excited to see another year for of him. So that is our heel of the week. Now our heel of the week. And uh, if you've been listening to any national news this week, uh, you know that this has to be none other than Southwest Airlines. And I, I hate to say it because Southwest is what my family flies on, but um, hopefully you weren't traveling on Southwest Airlines this holiday season, because if you did, you experienced our heel of the week this week. Um, Thankfully, as of today, Friday, the news is that they're supposed to be resuming uh, a regular schedule. But if, if you haven't been up on this, basically what's happened is there was bad weather around the nation starting back on December 22nd. And so basically there is a like proprietary internal software that that works at scheduling all the airplanes, pilots, flight crews, you know, the flight attendants, all that kind of stuff. And just with all the, the backlog, the back um, flow of um, flights getting delayed and other things, it just messed up this whole internal system and um, put things behind. And so what it really feels like is that Southwest did everything they could to get people to their Christmas destinations. And then after that, it just kind of fell apart. And so um, when you look at it, uh, it's it's bad bad, bad, bad. And so the, the problem, yes, the weather is what started it, but it's this internal software that causes the problem because um, all airlines have had some issues because of the weather, but Southwest's are exponentially worse than American or Delta or anyone else. And it's all because of their system. All the, all the airlines are running on this internal scheduling system, but Southwest's uh, to my understanding is severely outdated. Like that's coming from a pilot that I read an article about. And so that's what's causing it is because they haven't spent the money to invest in their infrastructure. And so that makes them our heel of the week. And, and it's not an issue with the employees. The employees have been great. Um, they're showing up, they're saying, we're here, we're ready to fly, but the, the computer literally won't let them. Or it's like, there will be a pilot, but no crew or a crew and no pilot, or you'll have a pilot and a crew, but no airplane, nothing to fly on. And so it's just absolutely wacky. Let me hit you with the numbers. You ready for this? As of yesterday, Thursday, in that space since um, December 22nd, so going back um to the the days leading up to Christmas, Southwest had canceled 15,750 flights since that weather began messing stuff up. 15,750. Obviously, that's best estimates. But I mean, that is insane. While the other airlines are nowhere near sniffing that kind of no number. Now, if you remember, uh, Mayor Pete, uh, who ran for president recently, he um, now is the Secretary of Transportation. So he's had to step in, um, communicate with um, Southwest's CEO, Bob Jordan. Um, they had a conversation earlier in the week, and um, he was not, Mayor Pete, uh, was not... Um, veiled in his remarks. He was very forthcoming. He said, quote, their system really has completely melted down. I made clear that our department will be holding them accountable for their responsibilities to customers, both to get them through this situation and to make sure that this can't happen again. And so I love that. Um, the, the, the Department of Transportation holding Southwest accountable for these actions and making sure that they don't um, screw us as travelers over again. But the, all of that makes them their, uh, makes them our heel of the week in the negative sense. So Cedric Gray, heel of the week, Southwest Airlines, you're the heel of the week. Uh, hopefully though, you know what? 
I fly Southwest, maybe they're going to make uh, try to have some good PR and I can get a few cheap flights out of this whole thing. That'd be awesome. Uh, man. Anyway, it's a great week to have been back together. Hope you had a great holiday with your family. And we obviously continue that on this week as we move into the new year. But as for today, that is it for our episode. Um, you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow me on Twitter at Isaac Shade. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show, leave some comments, and smash that like button so we know that you are here. Seriously, in this run-up to uh, New Year's, if you would love to give us a present, a great present would be subscribing to the show and leaving some reviews for us. That'd be great. Please make your second listen of the day Locked on Sports Today podcast. Biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, and big game recaps, and of course, the take of the day. It's available on YouTube, Odyssey, and anywhere else you get podcasts. Hey, really appreciate you diving in with us. I know uh, that it's it's uh, always kind of strange and odd to be around families and everyone else holiday season. So hopefully uh, the opportunity to stop and listen to the podcast has been a nice reprieve for you. I know it is for me. Really enjoy it myself. And it no matter what, it's always a great day to be in Tar Heel, right? <laughs> you know it. Until Monday, go Tar Heels. Peace. Peace.